Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 166 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thanks for being here today. My guest, my guest, my guest. Today, my guest is Tyler Pate, freelance graphic designer behind Tyler Pate Design Co., and also the creative mind behind the creative pain out of South Carolina. During this episode, we talk about his jump from freelance to studio life and back to freelance. We talk about how he used to rip off logos in Microsoft Paint. Not like too bad, but it's learning. It's all learning. We also get into the story about the product that he made as a kid that actually ended up becoming his first official design project. We get into stories about the last four months for him since he left the last studio he was at and how he's been pursuing freelance while traveling and how he balances that. We also get into a project that was absolutely crushing him until he reached out for help. Those and so much more. I had a great time chatting with Tyler and what he shares is golden. So ladies and gentlemen, let's get right to it. My guest, Tyler Pate. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field. And we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Hey, Tyler, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Awesome. Good. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show today. Thank you, man. It, it means a lot to, uh, to show, you know, a little interest back. Awesome. Well, are you ready for a quickie? Let's go for it. Beauty. Well, let's start with the tough stuff. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. I'm Tyler Pate. I am a designer, illustrator, all-around creative. I am freelancing under Tyler Pate Design Co., and also the creative mind behind the creative pain. Perfect. So tell me a little bit more about the creative pain. Man, it's it's one of those passion projects to its fullest. Uh, I always try to give talks and indulge people on the balance between the work that pays the bills and then the passion project that really keeps your mind sane. Mm-hmm. Uh, the creative pain has been that for me. It, it's literally this endeavor where I want to to give talks to young designers and designers alike that the process can change at any variable that you have. Uh, it's, it's okay to have change. It's okay to not know what's next as long as you push through it. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of divide, define that with it's the creative pain. It's this process of trial and error. It's like writer's block. Yep. And the only thing that's constant is if you stick to it or you give up. And I try to really preach on that. And I, I am one that, that lives it every day. And you know how a creative mind works. It's hard turning it off. So I wanted to develop a brand and this identity to just encapsulize that meaning and that core vision that everything is inspiring. Mm-hmm. Everything that we look at has been made by someone else. And it's nice to really appreciate that. And 
the creative paint is uh, just a huge series of illustrations where I'm spoofing brands and questioning the quos of what does a brand mean and what is influenced and what is something that can influence someone else. And I try to develop systems around that and products. And honestly, it's one of those projects where I could sit around and wait for that perfect screen printing job or that perfect, you know, <laughs> toy manufacturing, you know, product design coming through the door. Or I could just go and make it for my own, own doing. And yeah. the creative pain's given me that avenue. I like that. That's so cool. Um, okay, I'm going to dive back a little bit further here before going way back. And um, okay. give me the timeline here. So you've been freelancing Tyler Pate Design Co. for how long now? Man, uh, I've been freelancing under the name since 20, 2013. Okay. And I kind of pat the brakes a little bit between 2014 to literally until August of this year, mm -hmm. where I've I've been working for a design agency in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, and that's been for the better most of five five years. Mm -hmm. And with that, you know, I've I've moved past that and and have taken freelancing and any sort of endeavors that I can find here on out. Okay, so I want to sort of understand the thought process that you went through, you know, making that decision, because usually when I hear it's either somebody who's been in studio life and they're like, nope, I'm going freelance now, and they go freelance. And it's not often that they go back. So I want to hear from you sort of what the thought process was to make that move, to be freelance and go back to – were you in studio life before Tyler Pate Design Company? No. No, I, I I literally was in school, so okay. I, I freelanced, you know, all through through college, and then for you know the better half of six months right out of school, mm -hmm. and and that's when I I was I was snatched up, and and kind of had that studio or you know design agency world life ever since. So tell me about that. How did that how did that transition happen? Uh, from the beginning, I oh man, it it it's pretty funny because I'll. I'll start briefly back whenever I was in college. I, I had an internship at two design agencies in Charleston. One of them happened to be the one that hired me. Mm -hmm. From that you know, interaction and, and just keeping in touch and following up constantly while I went back to school, I, I was offered the job and once I graduated, I, I, I was straight there and it's been great, man. I, the design agency world is, is a really fun thing to, to be a part of. Mm -hmm. I, not only do you get to really switch it up from project to project, you're, you're able to have your hands on a lot of different things. And I think a lot of these other you know, uh, tech jobs where you have a role and that's the role you follow, I, I had an art director position where it was a small team of, of 20 people and I was able to wear many different hats and it was, it was great. Uh, anything from illustrating to, you know, web design primarily to digital marketing, to video production, to planning, you know, photo shoots. It was just all of that. And, mm. and that kind of started with that early relationship as an intern and that kind of progressively got something more serious. So after school you went out, did freelance, but, 
you know, the back of your mind, you always have that sort of agency pull, right? Yeah, yeah. I think for starting out, you you do want to have a job, and you do <laughs> you do yeah. enjoy like a, a steady paycheck and benefits that come with it, and that's that was the mindset. I I always planned my freelance around getting a better job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I just and even to this day, it is. You freelance until you find a better position, mm-hmm. whether that's within your freelancing or your studio that you have, or going to a bigger company or agency. I, I see freelance as a way to sharpen your spear, so to speak. And that's what I, I did all through school. And then the beginning of you know the agency world that I stepped into, it was, you know, if something comes up, don't turn it down if you can mm-hmm. do it, mm-hmm. you know. Stay, stay on top of it. And, and even once I started you know, working at the, the agency I was with, I still worked on things for fun on the side. For sure. I think, I think that's kind of where there is a, a gray area. What is freelance and what is fun mm-hmm. <laughs> or play? And I bleed, I bleed that pretty, <laughs> pretty consistently. Perfect. So the last sort of thing I want to hear from you is the – the studio, the transition again from studio back to freelance. What mm-hmm. was, what were your reasons for that? Did you sort of, you know, learn a whole bunch of stuff and, you know, feel like your creative itch wasn't being scratched anymore and you wanted to venture out or what was it? Oh man, it, it was probably one of the toughest things I've had to experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, five years at an agency where I was at was five years of, of, being a part of a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it was, it was great. I, I don't have, you know, bad things to say about it, but what led me was this redundancy, I believe mm. it was this, I was doing the same thing to a degree and it became really repetitive. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I would find my avenues on, on my side work where Again, that's back to like, what is that gray area of mm-hmm. freelance? Yeah. You know, I, I would do things for fun on the side. And I realized that I was enjoying that way too much more than the nine to five. Yeah. And it kind of drove me crazy to, uh, for about a solid year of, man, this, I'm just really looking forward to six, six o'clock every day. Yeah. So you can go just do your to start. Thing. Yeah. And even for the weekends was the same. I would, you know, Saturday, Sunday, I would be in there working on a fun illustration idea or just this concept. I just had to flesh it out. And I think that got to a point where I was like, this is what I really want to focus on. And I don't, I don't know. I never really thought of myself as having the personality to just, you know, think of an idea and just fully jump without really planning it out. Mm-hmm. But this was one of those situations where it's like, you know what, I, I can financially afford taking a leap and, and taking this absent of letting myself freelance and, you know, elaborate more on what I want to work on and sharpen those skills. So I, I thought this was the right time. So I did it. Had a boy. I like hearing that. Yeah. All right. I'm going to even go even further back now. And I want to ask you about your childhood, and I want to hear if you feel that you had a creative childhood that sort of pointed you in this career path. Yeah, yeah. I 
I didn't really grow up in a creative family, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely had an, a very open-minded childhood. Mm-hmm. I, whatever you wanted to do and had interest to, I, you know, I was given the opportunity to do it. I always, I always was drawing. Like mm-hmm. seriously, it, it's funny thinking back on it. I would always tinker, play with Legos, play with some sort of like train set and figure out how it works. And I think there was a point where that bled into art when it came time to just really discover who I am. And skateboarding really was that pinnacle moment for me. It was something that I was able to identify, be a part of, and experience what, in a way, brand influence is. Mm -hmm. And I got to experience it from a consumer standpoint of not even understanding what was being happened i i fell for it i fell for the culture which led into me being obsessed with graphics Mm -hmm. the boards became a problem the complete sets became a problem (laughs) when it came to like i needed the matching wheels i needed the colored bearings i I was just like these ocds i never knew i had and you know right down to like placements of stickers like where do these stickers go i'm not going to use these stickers i got so crazy with it I was collecting tags, like I was collecting stickers in a binder. I would never use them because mm-hmm. I wanted to collect these references, and yeah. I didn't understand what it was. I, I was like, I guess collecting like baseball cards. Okay, but so it was you're graphic. you're in that situation where the consumer, you're interacting with all of these brands, all of these graphics, all of these visuals, all of these cues. At what point did the switch go, and you go? Oh, that's what they did. <laughs> I love that. I want to do that. When did that happen? Oh, man. It's funny because I was thinking about this. I went through this whole period about three or four years ago trying to figure out why I am drawn to certain styles and <laughs> and just design in general. And I thought about it. And, you know, it made me think about these moments. I was probably, man, I was probably 13 or so in, in elementary school. And I would make these, <laughs> I would make these bootleg stickers of, you know, design like logos of Element, uh, Darkstar, you know, these skateboarding companies, mm-hmm. Audio Shoes. I would just, I would just rip these logos off in Microsoft <laughs> Paint and then print them on sticker paper, cut them out and sell them to the kids at school. And I had always had this, this knack of, um, I don't know, it, I don't want to say Willin and Dylan, but I very much was hustling the kids in school. Whether it was selling <laughs> yeah, yeah candy. that's the real stuff. That's a real element. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> those stickers are supposed to peel off when they get wet. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That cheap stuff is is rogue. But uh, I did. I, I always would brand it. And I think that melted down quite literally into a project I did around the same time where I <laughs> I made my own skateboard wax and and this is where it all came together because I used a muffin pan. Nice. I melted down just house candles into this muffin pan so that I would have this cylinder looking piece of wax. Yeah. And then at that point I was like, well, I need a logo. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just drew like this little guy skateboarding and grinding down this rail and I scanned it and position it in Microsoft Paint to where I had a bunch of little 
labels, so to speak. I just didn't realize what that was at the time. I, mm-hmm. I just realized like, well, this is how I bought it. So I need to do the same. And I printed them out, put the label in the wax and then got like <laughs> cooking saran wrap and wrapped around it and pressed the iron on the back so it would seal it. Yeah. Destroyed the iron because that's not the type of saran wrap that you iron. But yeah. I learned that it was a product at that point. And I would go to school and sell it. And it was the coolest thing that, you know, it's like, oh, well, I need to make an, a poster for it. And I would just redraw the logo on a piece of paper and, and color it in with markers and color pencils. So to your point, like, you know, what was that moment? I didn't know at the time until looking back on it that the moment was I was naive that what I was doing could be a job. Yeah. I was thinking that's what you had to do if you wanted it to be legitimized. Mm-hmm. So that was, that, your, that was your first graphic design project. In a way, yeah. I guess I <laughs> so over 13, cool. making, making some wax. <laughs> I love it. All right, so after that, it was, was it straight going to art school for you and went through that process? No, I... I remember in high school, I I had I had skills in various forms of art. You know, I was never you know, proficient in in one of them. I, I enjoyed drawing. I enjoyed crafting. I enjoyed sculpting and painting. Mm-hmm. And I got to a a point where I started becoming aware of stencil art, mm-hmm. and that started to then pivot me into a whole other medium of artists, you know, like Shepard Fairey. And that was like, well, he's a graphic designer. I, I want to do what he's doing, make murals and, and make products. And, and there's apparel to that. And then all of this can kind of bleed under one umbrella, which mm-hmm. is a brand. And I was like, what is it to make a brand? And I just Googled that and that was graphic design. <laughs> so that was where I went. <laughs> so here we go. Awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that wax story. And mom, yeah. mom was cool with it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I, it was quite an endeavor. And I went to Francis Marion University in Florence, South Carolina, small school, primarily known for nursing and business. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I got a, a small visual communication degree that that was it was a big, big move for me. Yeah. Right on. So... I want to now ask Tyler, who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow? And what about them do you like? Man, designers. I, I have to say that consistently it's always been Shepard Ferry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something about his, his story. I mean, he's from Charleston, South Carolina, so I do think about that a lot of, you know, growing up in the South, you, you do get a stigma of like, how do you really indulge yourself in in all of the perks of a bigger city Mm -hmm. how do you get involved in these communities and you know you you've been brought up in lack of one at least for my my situation so i i really grasped him a lot because of that upbringing and the fact that i learned from him this idea of the significance of repetition and numbers and you can create meaning from that. And if there's some 
situation of you not having the resources or, or you not having the clear focus, you can at least repeat it enough, whatever you're doing, to where it could have value and relevance to it. And that's the inspiring part to it. Mm-hmm. And that kind of gets back to the creative pain. It's just, if you do it enough, it'll make sense one day in volume. <laughs> I like that. If you do it enough, it'll make sense one day. Yeah. It's a simple way of thinking about it, but it's something that reminds me. Yeah. And back to your question. Yeah. Shepard Ferry, I feel did a really good job of that. And, and it's pretty inspiring to see the different mediums he's able to transition that brand to and how he's able to use the platform that he has to further educate. I mean, people like myself, I, I'm, I grew up in a world where, you know, he was there mm-hmm. and I was inspired by it. Such a cool and such a great one. He actually uh, recently did a huge mural in Vancouver where I'm from here. Yeah. Um, that was just massive for the, the Vancouver mural festival. Him, wow. There's so many talented artists, um, illustrators, mm-hmm. designers, all that came out and did work for that. It was just incredible. Yeah. So Tyler, I want to ask you about print and packaging now. I want to hear how you have utilized print and packaging in your design career and any stories around that that you have. Yeah, man. I, I always think about the final steps of any project. How can I get this on a business card? How can I get this in a brochure? How can I just have this a physical tangible thing in my hands mm-hmm. and I, I am almost obsessed of, with the process and how you display the process in a final piece that sums up everything you did mm-hmm. and I love to be able to showcase that in a print piece and I found in the past like some of the, the best ways to explain that working there was this one time where I did this whole branding project. I ended up with a logo and this branding system and then they needed a business card, simple business card. Mm -hmm. I knew that this one company I could use to print it would do a really good job and they would really quick turn around and give me something tangible that I can then do a photo shoot of. Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, I I did just that. And it was one of those where I could have just used a mock-up I could have just put this in Photoshop. I could have, you know, stopped there and then had this in probably a quarter of the time. Mm -hmm. But I just know that if you can have it physical, that's a part of the story. It's like that existed. Yeah. That wasn't just a picture of a mock-up of, you know, some fake, you know, skewed object. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, that, that exists. And, you know, from that, like, I like taking that and then finding places in the world that this makes sense to be taken photos of. And with this one situation, I, I found this, uh, this one little flower pot that had like the right colored dirt and textures in it. And if you cropped in on the inside of this flower pot enough with this business card, it looked like it was in a wooded scene. <laughs> it, was that, it was that simple. It looked yeah. like it was in the woods. And... I always laugh at that because I did a whole photo shoot in this flower pot and those images turned out really well. And the manufacturer of the business cards saw that photo and then reached out and, and did like an interview with me about the process of that business card because I was using spot varnishes and all of these other like, uh, Pantone colors. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny. And, 
And it was just like, it summed it up for me. I was like, never sell it short because you can have a finished design that looks great. But if you present it in a bad manner, then it's just like any other bad piece of design. The execution of the final result is everything. And I think print is the only way that I can truly simplify that in a way that makes the most sense. It's well said. the paper quality. Yeah, it's, it's something else, man. I love it. I love that. Have you had a chance to dabble a lot with screen printing and all kinds of different print? Yeah, man. Uh, screen printing is actually one of my favorites. I, I did a couple classes in college. I literally have like a small um, hinge press like here at, uh, in my studio that yeah. I, whenever I get a screen burned, I'll, I'll go straight to it and, and start printing on some textile stuff. And that's, that's the great thing about it. Like you can print on anything with that and you don't have to worry about dealing with a, a printer that you have to have 5,000 units to, to mm-hmm. get it made, you know? That's cool. Like, little desktop yeah. one, right? Yeah. 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 That's cool. Well, Tyler, the next few questions I have for you take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, likely learned some lessons, and I want mm-hmm. to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? I think the most challenging thing that I've faced so far is, is probably the, the past four months. Honestly, this has been the biggest transition I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. And it's quite interesting to talk about it now because there's a lot of different things. So I left the agency that I was with for five years with this pursuit to honestly indulge myself in design, become more fluent with what I've always put off mm-hmm. and what I've only been able to do in my spare time and truly give it the time that it needs to just you know, recharge my batteries and, and get back to what I love doing. Yeah. And I've been able to do a lot of traveling in this, in this past couple of months and look for that. And, and it's been a challenge because I do like the grind of every day. There is this rushing deadline and you're under the gun. Like there is a rush from that. Like you can't really describe if you, mm-hmm. if you get to it. And lately, you can't really, I can't perform what I normally do on the road as well as I can just at a desk because I, I work off of a Wacom Cintiq, a large tablet, and, and I'm pretty refined to that desk. And it's weird whenever I'm going and like I did a trip to Japan uh, two months ago and, and it was one of those where I was just itching to get back to the desk. And it was, it was amazing because I, I made myself focus in a sketchbook more, mm-hmm. which I think I struggle with and I've heard a lot of other people struggle with too, is just letting everything settle down so you can truly focus on one thing at a time mm-hmm. and do it proficiently and not to cut any corners. And I was able to do that with just process. And these trips have really brought out a lot of that with me. So like the challenge is just now getting back to it. (laughs) Now I have a sketchbook with all these illustrations in it and all of these ideas. And it's just like, all right, focus. We got to get to one at a time. Mm -hmm. And there's obviously all these other things that I need to, to launch at the same time. 
And being a one-man shop, it, it, it gets daunting. Uh, it's not, you know, something you can't do, but it is a time management situation that mm. I've been able to kind of grasp. And in that situation, I can imagine it's very easy to um, not have boundaries between work and refreshing yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's something that I've... I definitely have been dealing with with the past two or three years, which is, mm-hmm. you know, where is the limit of that, you know, so to speak, work-life balance? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's literally been, all right, this is a job that I do, even though I sometimes think of it as a hobby because it's just that much fun and I do it on my spare time, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. And turning it off is, is kind of a problem. But what I, I've, I've found that works is I don't have to turn it off because that's just a daunting task. That it's like, stop thinking about all your problems kind of reasoning. And it's like, oh, well, you just reminded me of a problem. Mm-hmm. So I realized that I can just pivot now. And rather than think about the project that's on the computer, let's pivot and design something that's a painting or a mural or a piece of sculpture mm-hmm. and that's kind of what you know I, not to always tie it back to the creative pain but that's where that's helped me a lot i i always have these different avenues with that brand where i can i can pivot and i can now just focus on a product product design and and how can i make these you know these wall arts and varnishing and making these resin molds and all these little things that i i find you know occupying my spare time those are refreshing those are really what keeps me creative and excited to get back to the computer whenever I finish one of those. Very cool. So you're really sort of trying to figure this out live. So the biggest, yeah. the most challenging time is right now. Uh, why was it challenging? Well, here's all the reasons. And how did mm-hmm. I get through it? I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. You know, I, I can tell you where I'm at, but... Um, where I'm going, uh, it, it is exciting. Uh, I mean, to, to be able to step away and realize that everything is in front of you mm-hmm. is just such a, a crazy feeling. Like, mm-hmm. you have this project you've always wanted to work on? Well, go do it. That's kind of the, the mindset. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, how do I reach out to this company? Well, figure out the time and figure out a way to reach out to that company because yeah. this is the time to do it. Got it. So now, Tyler, I want to get a little bit more specific. Um, I want you to take us to a story about a design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. Um, what was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Yeah, there, there's always one of those at, at different degrees with any branding project that For I've sure. had. Uh, one that sticks out is is one of the larger branding projects that I, I was able to work on where it was literally a design by committee. Mm-hmm. And it was for this organization in Charleston that I was pitching to a table of you know six, seven, eight people, and then they would have to pitch it to their higher ups later. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a weird thing to to pitch, and you can have that enthusiasm, you can have that charm to it, but know that it's not going to translate when they pitch it. Yeah, that's always tough. It's really tough. So I had this project where that was the case. And man, I, I went through the ringer. Like, 
it's comparable to a boxing match for sure because it went about every round it could go. <laughs> and throughout the project, I was just like pitching and pitching and pitching until we would get close and we'll think that's it and then they'll come back and scrap it. We have to start over. And there was one of those daunting things and it was also earlier on in my career where it was very discouraging. Mm-hmm. It was, it, mm-hmm. what am I doing wrong? Am I, you know, am, am I not seeing this clearly? Am, am I just being naive about what I'm getting myself into? It, all those questions came up. And I, I got through it and I was, you know, getting the pressure from the client because of how long it was taking. I was getting pressure from my creative director at the time for, you know, you, you got to get this thing going. And I think what helped the most was finally reaching out for help. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that it's easily forgotten. You have peers. You have designers. If you're not working beside every day, you, you can at least reach out to them. Mm-hmm. You know, simple email or a call will do. And that's what happened. I had to do that. And it was a lesson learned. And I, I talked with this designer and we collaborated a little bit, thinking about different concepts, what wasn't working, what was working, and what was the strong suit for it. And we were able to, to, to really get some more concepts to the table. And through that, going back to the client, we were able to pitch, and then we finally had something that would stick. And, and it was such an uh, interesting thing because what I learned from that collaboration was it was a confidence thing at the time. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, you had the idea there, but the way it was being pitched and presented was lacking. Mm-hmm. And that was a big defining, I think, maneuver for me and my, my abilities where it was like, okay, you've got the idea there. Believe in what you just made because you made it. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't have like this imposter syndrome. And and stand by why it works. And we did that. And from that, and give it, this was probably like a, man, probably a 15, 16-week process. Mm-hmm. It was just on and on. And it finally got to a point where when we got to it, we were like, well, this is it. There's no way it could be any better than this. Mm-hmm. And then we would go to a meeting and get out of it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, oh, these edits are crazy and then i'll tinker with it more and then we would would result with the same things like wow this is better than ever like there's no other way i could see this (laughs) and like that happened for two other times and i was just sitting there i was like wow like this is the process this is the charm to it yeah it is take the feedback that you're hearing apply it reason with yourself with why it makes sense and why it doesn't and we ended up with this this mark that Honestly, it's one of my favorites to this day, and that was that was made back in 2014, mm-hmm. and it was able to you know win awards, and it was just crazy to validate it in my head where it was this process that I dealt with, which was daunting and scary and all these other feelings. Like it was a part of it. That's mm-hmm. what made it great. That's what made it work, and I think that's what keeps it intact today. It was that trial and error. And it was, man, I, I can, thinking about it, it makes me think about those, those feelings. And it was, it was 
Man, not good. I was, I was scared, <laughs> so, man. Sorry, man. I didn't mean to drum was, up <laughs> drum up the rough stuff. <laughs> I was I was I was just a little one at that point. <laughs> yeah. No, I did mean to bring up bring up the bad stuff, but yeah. Um. So, what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now, Tyler? Uh, I I want to say focusing on the projects that really matter and make a difference to what I want to do and be. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a very large response. Uh, but it is, time is just, it's so short. I, I think about it a lot and I, I'm like, this, this is, this is a list of the things I want to do while mm-hmm. I'm here. And I want to get to every bit of that. And it's a big list. Mm-hmm. And, there's a lot of projects and brands I would love to work with, and I just try to focus on what's right in front of me. And that's that's the thing that's hard sometimes. Is it's so easy to, to just get overwhelmed and think about all the the bigger picture things. Mm-hmm. And it really does take just focusing on what's in front of you and and just focusing with getting that done and nothing else. It's a matter of like prioritizing in the moment, you know, each day, what are the priorities today? What's the priorities tomorrow? And just yeah. trying to stay consistent with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you have to chip away at everything at once, mm-hmm. which is what I've learned. You, you, you really can't, depending on the project, you really can't just put it on hold and shelf it. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to micromanage and, and multitask as much as possible. And it's interesting to do that with, like personal projects. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Um, all right, Tyler, I'm going to turn this bus around for you. Uh, I want you to tell me now about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of the one that just makes your heart sing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this, this will probably tie it back to the earlier conversations we had where, I, while working at this agency, coincidentally enough, one of the projects that I was assigned to was the production and development of the website on Artfields, which is a design and art competition that's held in Lake City, South Carolina, Okay, which is the hometown of where I went to school, high school at. I went to Lake City High School. And... And what was so crazy about that project was that's one of now one of the largest art competitions I believe in the southeast and what that has done to the community in Lake City it's so amazing I, I when I went to school there it was not known for art it was not known for this collaborative endeavor that we're all trying to pursue it mm-hmm. it was it was very you know, cookie cutter in some ways. And what Artfields has done for that city has just brought this culture and this whole other generation of inspiration to the youth and, and possibilities that it was so cool to be a part of set something that's so big and relevant to that city now. Mm-hmm. And whenever I was able to develop the in, entire website it was just, it was really cool. And to see that when I went back for the art art competition, I'm seeing the graphics that I made. I'm seeing, 
you know, the, the color palettes and how they're being used throughout the entire city. Mm-hmm. And, and it's cool. I, I, don't, I don't know how to else, else, else to really explain it because I just, I'm excited to know that progression can happen. And it's up to everyone in their own position to give back to what you had before. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those moments where it's, I was able to help, I think, make it better. And it was, it was a really good experience to see and, and see people enjoy it, you know? It's impactful. Yeah. It's not yeah, just a, a new logo for a, a, you know, a grocery store product or something like that. It's impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. I love that. Um, <clears throat> Tyler, you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question, my friend. So I have a question for you for my last guest and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. So my last guest was Mr. Armin Vitt. He's the co-founder of Under Consideration and Brand New and the Brand New Conference. So he wanted to ask um, if money was no object and it has to be something other than what you're doing, what other profession would you pursue? Oh man, that's, <laughs> I, so this is where money doesn't matter. Money, huh? Oh, money's no option. Money's no object. You're sorted for the next 50 years of your life, five years, whatever. You're sorted financially. You can now pursue anything. What do you pursue? <laughs> I, I want to be a race car driver. <laughs> yes. Put me behind a wheel of a Maserati. We're good. <laughs> That's so cool. Okay. Now the follow up to that is you have to do something different than what you're doing right now, but this time you still got to make bank. You still got to be good at it. What profession do you pursue now? Oh man. You know, I, I really do enjoy giving talks and being a part of just a, a, an art or design community, mm-hmm. I would love to to develop a conference where it's able to bring collaborative efforts together mm-hmm. and 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 honestly just help the generation coming up. I, I couldn't tell you how many times you know giving a talk and then you see yourself in the crowd, and it's a weird feeling because you know what it's like to look up and what it means to, to hear someone talking about what they're doing and, and show that it's a reality. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not to say that I've done anything president for that, but I, I love the idea of inspiring others to, to really believe in their passion and, yeah. and pursue it because there's so many people that I know and love that, that haven't found that. And I know that they have it. And, I'm thankful that I, I feel like I've found it. I love it. Tyler, what is the question that you would like to ask of my next guest? Man, I thought about this one. So, all right, this is a, this is a good one. I think I need to hear and want to know. How have you managed the pressure of where you are and where you want to be in your career? I like and it. It's a two-parter. Two-parter. I like what it. Are, what are some ways to stay focused on that path? Whew. That's a heavy one. I know. 
I like it. And you know what? What I love about it is I'm just going to throw it down on the spot. You know, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? <laughs> What's the first thing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Tyler, that is the end of the Quickie Podcast, man. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I really appreciate your time here. Thanks again, David. All right. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for your time and listening to this. I got another one for you tomorrow. Be back tomorrow. Thanks. Bye.